the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. This audience is the best audience. I mean, just fabulous. And Kathy, you, by the way, looking great in that white turtleneck. Thank you. And new Mike, your cheery, sunny disposition. Always a just a great yeah. pleasure to be around. Yeah. Oh, just thanks. really thrilled. Thank What's you. What's the occasion? Thank you. Well, today, yeah, funny you ask. Today's National Compliment Day. <laughs> oh, you guys. So I just thought I'd pass it along. You guys. Just, and the signal's so very clean and clear here, thanks to our engineering staff here at the station. Just so beautiful. And to management as well. I mean, actually, <laughs> might be... Butt kissing day or something. I, I was going to say. I feel like you're forced. To, the only the only thing I'm thinking is it's National Compliment Day, and the only thing you could come up with for me was my white turtleneck. Well, Holy cow! I mean, that's sitting, rough. Sitting across from me. I mean, your color selection is absolutely perfect. He brought up my character. Spot right he on. Yeah, he brought. Up your, up, he brings your, up your character, and I get the turtleneck. You get the fashion. <laughs> Hey, it's John Hall. I love myself a white turtleneck, and Kath's wearing one today. So join us from 4 to 6, National Compliment Day here. It's National Compliment Day. Has the tone of the country softened any? Well, it's come at the perfect time. Yes. Can I say that? It has. Because, you know, I've shared on the air the last few days that I was in abject despair on Saturday when I was hanging out on Twitter, as mm, I do, do not. oftentimes That's on Saturdays. That's the problem. It is part of the problem. And I could not get over the vitriol with which people were approaching each other uh-huh. and the horrible, atrocious things that were said. Yeah. I just, I still. I wonder the psychological profile, <laughs> love which you yourself, unfortunately, are part of, mm-hmm. of those who tend to hang out on Twitter. Right. So what does that say about me? Nothing. I don't know. Good. I wonder what percentage of the population, like, you know, uh, 300 million people here in the United States, what percentage of those people hang out on Twitter on a regular basis? Because quite honestly, if it wasn't for us being here, I wouldn't touch it. No, I wouldn't either. With a red hot stick. Right. But I kind of feel like we have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to, actually, I'm starting to lose that belief. No, I think so. I think to I'm be starting to lose that belief. gentler, kinder, mm-hmm. we should just uh, disavow ourselves from the mm-hmm. Twitter conversation. All right. Well, while we're talking about Twitter, though, I've got to be honest with you. National Compliment Day is trending. Oh, it is? On and Twitter? So it, uh, has it, it changed Twitter? It has changed Twitter. What? I mean, there are a lot of Super very... Duper. <laughs> there are a lot of very nice things that are being is said. there? Really? Yeah. I, I appreciate the nice things that are being said. People Excellent. are posting nice things about a wife and, you know, saying to this person, you know, you're very good at basketball and you were a very good Doctor mm-hmm, Who and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know... Someone here is petting an octopus. Hopefully, this lasts. I doubt it. But yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, think you're I, I worked right. with a guy when I was a kid. Um, when I was a kid. I was like nineteen. Is my you know my when I was working at the funeral home, and I worked with a guy who was intentional, always about complimenting me. 
and I and I commented, just, just you? No, and I so I commented. I said, you know, in a, <laughs> just because all of, a sudden, all of a sudden that sounded creepy. No, he said, hey, John, you're breathing today. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, so I said to him, what's the deal with you and compliments? He said, well, I just think it's really a necessary glue for us to be alive to you know to look at each other in a positive light. It struck me as, a, and so that was a good lesson for me. Hmm. No, all right, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you are a complimenter? I, yeah, I think okay. I am. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it. You know, yeah, I do. I, I tend to think about it, and if I see something that, but I all of a sudden I'm could concerned I be better that, at I'm, it? that I'm not a complimenter. You're a complimenter to well, those I, you well, love. I'm concerned that maybe I'm not complimenting enough. Okay, now that so it's maybe national it's, compliment. Then it's just awareness that would get you on the. Are, compliment you, ra- path. are you raising awareness? I am. You know that's a term I hate. I am raising awareness. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm raising awareness. I like the idea. I cannot stand that term. I'll just stop you one. I'm raising awareness in a moist way. Oh! Okay, which is even more so. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, some phrases just drive you up, uh, up the wall. You know why? Because they're packed with elite condescension. What is raising awareness? I'm, I'm raising awareness about- it's pa- I'm telling you, it's how I hear it. It's really? like It's like free- Was I condescending It's like free range. Free range. It bothers me. Or green- Hmm. Green, green anything bothers really, me. Really? It doesn't bother me. Yeah, see, it bothers no, me. No, just, you know. I'm not saying it should bother you. I'm trying to be honest For about you, my, yourself, own, yeah. my own issues. Well, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, and it's really probably a positive thing that you are so attuned to the English language. <laughs> right. just wanted to say That's that. That's what happens when you study English at the collegiate level. Yes. It tends to be something that you can't get away from. National Compliment Day. Pass it along, right? Pay it forward, so they say. All right. If I asked you, Mike, John, both of you, mm-hmm. If you could name off the top of your head a compliment you remember someone giving you or a criticism someone gave you, okay, (laughs) what would be the thing that would come to mind first? I'm not saying that that's the most important thing, but would it be easier for you to think up a criticism someone gave you or a compliment? Yeah, I think that's a well. That's point well taken. I think it's always easier to remember the negative as far as the instead of the positive. I concur. You agree? It just is. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I think it's just how we're wired, right? Mm-hmm. Because we we tend to talk poorly to ourselves. Right. I mean, I'm pointing at my. Okay, let let me tell you a famous criticism that I got in my life, okay. and I'm saying it's famous because it was harsh. It was mm-hmm. really. I mean, believe me, I got a lot of. You can't be in this business without getting a lot of harsh <laughs> no, criticism. No, no. But this was before I was in this business, and I was a kid. I was in uh, ninth grade. And uh, there was this guy who was uh, kind of a consultant with my church youth group. And you know what he said to me? Hmm. He said, Kathy, you're not nearly as good of a singer as you think you are. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But here's the thing. The reason I bring it up is that that was presented to me in a way that was not mean. Mm -hmm. It was not – he didn't say that to be condescending or to be cutting or whatever. He was actually trying to help me. Yeah. He was saying the way you hear yourself sing and the way I hear you sing are two different things. So let me help you become a better singer. But the only way you're going to become a better singer is if you realize you're not as good as you think you are. Well, how did he know that you thought you were th- because good? he and Because he and I had been singing together. He was an adult and I was a kid. Okay. So he was also not, not from a Western country. So he didn't have oh. the same filter. Right, filter. Mm-hmm. But I got to be honest with you. I've never forgotten that. I remember where I was standing when he told me that. But I'm really grateful yeah. that he said that because I really do think that that was what I needed at the time to not be puffed up and to say, you know what, you need to you need to get better. I get that. I get that. Somebody did this, something similar to me that essentially changed my life. Really? Yeah, I was working as a... 
<laughs> I was working as a bartender in Queens. Now that unto itself, you know, is a bad place right. to be. I was working in this place called Just Arthur's. And, you know, I was hanging out with these dregs. I mean, these guys and <clears throat> standing behind the bar every night. And I was like, what am I doing here? I'm, you know, and anyway, this guy came in and uh, I knew him well. Neil. Neil. I think I told you the story. Neil's gig was that um, he would set – he through physical intimidation, Neil would go around New York City and put pin, um, gumball machines in convenience stores. And essentially, he would walk into a place and say, hey, I'm putting this here. Leave it here. I'll come back and fill it up and empty it out once a week. And that's what he did. And, then you'd, and the person didn't have a right of refusal. Exactly. And so then on Friday nights, Neil would show up at the at the bar, the restaurant bar, with a gigantic sack of quarters and nickels and dimes and sit at the bar and count his change and put it into ple- in sleeves. And he just, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, this one Friday night he was sitting there and he said to me, John. I've never seen anybody spin as much as you have and gotten absolutely nowhere in your career. <laughs> oh, zing. Oh, man. Whoa. I mean, he like, it like, it slapped me. And I said to him, Neil, you know, you're really right. And that night, I quit. And I started over. And I hit wow. the reset button. Is that right? It really? Did. That. Yeah, it, it did. I needed it. I knew it. I knew it. But somebody is sitting across the bar watching me for two years in that crazy bar changed my life. I mean, he thought he was hurting me, but actually he was really helping me. So he told me the truth, and I knew the truth. Hmm. All right. So I think the moral of both stories is that compliments are great, but they can be empty. But a well-placed word of criticism can actually be the thing that helps you a lot more. Yeah. I'm not saying that we don't compliment each other, but I think... Well, just looking back to that, I'm just I'm grateful that I heard what I heard. I am. But on the other hand, when you hear that sweetness from someone, especially someone Who's you sincere. love and someone who knows you. Right. And my one time I was in a show, <laughs> I was in a show and my mom came to see the show. I was doing a show in Florida and <laughs> this is the greatest. I love my mom so much. She said after the show, she saw me, she said, Johnny, I was in the ladies room at intermission. And someone came in and said, oh, I love that blah, 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 that, that young boy there. I want to know everything about him. And my mother said, I spoke up and I said, that's my son. And I, <laughs> and I, I mean, to me, that was the greatest compliment. Yeah. That she was proud of me, mm-hmm. you know, in a, ladies, in a ladies room at a mm-hmm. show that I was in, that she was able to, and my mother was not a braggart. So that was a big thing for her. And then she shared that with me. So it made, it made me as well. Aww. So a, a well-placed compliment. It's wonderful. It's the sweetest sweet that you can find. And a well-placed bit of criticism isn't so bad either. No, it's not. No. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Oh, Mm. that's interesting. So empty compliments aren't good for any of us. Very nice. Okay, hey, um, National I think you guys are great. Seriously, I love you both. And and once again, you do rock that white turtleneck. (laughs) You really do. That is so sad. (laughs) Super duper. WORD, Dr. Michael Youssef. We are called to love all people, but never condone the wrong things. We are called to love all people, 
but not their destructive lifestyles. We are called upon to love all people, but not to compromise our convictions in order to be accepted by society. Dig deeper into this on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. If you take a look around your hometown... You might notice that there seems to be a mattress store on every corner, each with a different sale every weekend. Where do you start? And how do you know if you're actually getting a good value? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, what you see is what you get. You'll find our hand-built, high-quality mattresses at the same great price every day. Stop by one of our local factories or stores to experience the Original Mattress Factory difference. Great beds, no bull. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the original mattress factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an original mattress factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. You own a local business and your national competition is eating your lunch, but you can beat them with our digital marketing experts. We're Salem Surround. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. We in the church, I don't think we know how to interact with politics. How do you mean? Um, You mean the news cycle of politics? Yeah. I also mean like the larger question of how to be citizens, but citizens of the kingdom first. You know, it's a pendulum, right? I, I think we either err on the side of saying that the world doesn't matter, the governance doesn't matter, that communal values really don't matter. The only thing that matters is the church. Right. Right. And so we just totally eschew everything that has to do with culture, has to do with, you know, we, we say that that's all pagan, that, you know, we don't, we, we shouldn't even talk about it. But then the other extreme is that we have to align, we, we make idols out of politicians. We align ourselves with people or party or whatever because we think somehow that through them we're going to usher in the kingdom of god maybe? i don't know but you know i, I do know this that on sunday morning I, when i go to when i go to worship i don't want to hear my pastor espouse his political no. view i don't want that 
I don't want that. I mean, I've got that six days a week. Right. Okay. Well, that's our job. If if you can separate yourself from what we do for a living, would you, do you think, is if, before you had this job, would you have been anxious or eager to hear what a pastor said about politics? Ever? No, I don't. No. Because, again, when you go yeah, to church see, to worship, you're worshiping the God of the universe. Right. I don't want okay, to talk but, about, you know. Okay, but I know you well enough to know it's not like you don't think that the gospel has anything to say about politics. Oh, of course it does. Okay, but, but you don't want to hear it on Sunday? Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't. So how are we going to learn how to do it if we're not going to hear it I, on Sunday? I don't know. Uh, that's it's it's a slippery slope for me, I know. And, and, I, and I know it's but a weakness of mine. You know why? Because I don't think we know how to do it. I don't know. I, I, we've invited Dr. Esau McCauley to help us through and talk through some of these issues. Assistant Professor of New Testament at Northeastern Seminary in Rochester, New York. He serves as a priest in the Anglican Church in North America and directs the Anglican Multi-Ethnic Network, a coalition devoted to helping Anglican churches better reflect the diversity of their local communities. Esau, welcome in. We're glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, do you think that I'm, we're... I'm afraid? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of that conversation I heard in the minute before I came on. Seriously, I'll, I'll, though, I'll do, you, do you think we're bad at it as the church? Well, it depends on what you mean by church. I think that um, mm-hmm. certain churches have the privileges to be apolitical, and certain churches don't. Hmm. The example, the example that I that I use when I say that is that like the black church began in the middle of a, a, opposing a policy by law namely slavery. So from the beginning, the black church said, hey, this thing that is inscribed by law in in the United States should be changed. And so it began, yes, as being about the gospel, it was also an advocacy group, or significant portions of were advocacy groups. So there was never the separation of the gospel and politics. Even the early, the early feminists were also often involved in church work, you know, so there's a deep connection between the feminist movement and the temperance movement and the church. And so, like, I think I modern allergy to the intersection of gospel and politics may depend on our social occasion. Oh, okay. So the, really so the place where we sit, as far as economics, as far as color, as far as, you know, maybe the type of job we have determines whether we can, whether we intersect faith and politics well? Well, I think it depends. And so, for example, my church, I go to a mostly white church here in Rochester, and we sent a whole busload of people, rightfully so, by the way, down to the March for Life. And there were probably tons of youth groups and other organizations that were going there. And they should, because the the issue of life is important, and life is sacred from conception to a natural death. And so the church is directly involved, publicly and robustly, in issues of life. It's just, which issues do we decide to talk about and which Mm -hmm. ones do we do? Okay, Esau, so I'm glad you brought this up, because your church group sent somebody down, those kids from Covington showed up, and they were coming from their Catholic school, but they're wearing MAGA hats and of course there's that collision which we've you know been seeing this past week i mean that's that's what's happened here is just crazy yes i mean there is the the confusion and that's one of the things that i wrote about that being faithfully christian is tied to being a republican which means that whoever is sitting currently sitting in power is therefore in some sense doing god's work and that's just not always the case right now, I my experience when I um, when I went to college was the reverse of what you're saying, um, and so I, my experience with people my own age, people who were university students, and people who were involved in my church, were if you're not a Democrat, 
then you're not really Christian. Like you don't really get it. You don't. Yeah. You don't get God's statement. Now, I see that now, as far as our larger American conversation, the perspective, the, the link is close to the Republican Party. But I've also seen it in the reverse. So, yeah, I went to a secular college, and there was kind of a leftist orthodoxy. Hmm. And a lot of the people who were at that college were Christians in mainline denominations, most of whom were on the way out of the church. Mm-hmm. And, and and in that context, if you weren't, if you weren't, lockstep with the Democratic Party, you were, in some sense, a a closed-minded bigot. And so I don't think that either the left or the right solves the problems. But I do think that you can draw a direct line between uh, middle class or lower middle class white church attendance and the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of of map it out demographically. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have our... City intellectuals, sometimes, if you want to use that language, yeah. who are progressive theologically, who are in the Democratic Party, and then you have the black churches, oftentimes doing something totally different, which is in the Democratic Party, but oftentimes in varying levels of discomfort with it. Right. So, is there a solution to this, or would it even be considered a problem to mix the two, the politics and the and the and the, the, the worship together? I think that the problem is that we're not sufficiently biblical mm-hmm. and that we allow the culture to set the parameters of the debate. Yeah. Um, oh, I, the, the, example, the example that I use is that I was invited to speak this this event, and they said, well, does the Bible answer the question of racism, or does, what does the Bible say about racism? And the, the assumption, I'm going to go, but the assumption is, well, we know the answer, and the question is, does the Bible fit within one of these categories? And I said, well, no, no, the Bible doesn't just come and answer your questions. It poses questions to you, and it asks you questions not just about racism, but about anthropology. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to forgive? And so what we have to do is to actually become not less biblical, but more biblical. And if we truly mm-hmm. embrace the Bible and the great tradition, we'd see that the gospel has words for people on the left and the right. Mm-hmm. It has real questions for the anthropology of the left. It has way too much belief in human ability. And the assumption that our problems is lack of information and resources. Well, no, sometimes people are just sinful. <laughs> and it also has things to say for the right that speaks about individual accountability when the entirety of our Old Testament speaks about corporate responsibility. And the people die not just for their own sins, but for the sins of their community. And that you can be complicit in what in institutional and structural sin. God punished Egypt not just because of what the, the leaders of Egypt did, because the people were complicit and allowed those things to happen. Mm-hmm. And so what we really need is a sophisticated appropriation of the Bible yeah. and the Christian tradition view on theology and politics, and I think we'd go from there. I don't think we're biblical enough. You're right. Okay, so that sophisticated approach. I mean, is there a template for that? I mean, would there be something like that, that left and right, Democrat, Republican, can all agree upon and follow that path? Yes, I think it's in the New Testament. <laughs> I, think, I, I know. I, Good I, answer. People, people often want me to be more radical. I was like, read the Gospel of Luke. The, the example, the example that I give uh, is that, like, so there's this story in the Gospel of Luke where uh, they say to Jesus, "Jesus, tell you need to get out of here because Herod wants to kill you." And Jesus says, "Tell that fox that today I'm going to continue my work." So, what does it mean to call someone a fox in Jesus's day? That means he called Herod politically corrupt. He said that your policies are disingenuous, and they're, and they're rooted in the attempt to deceive the people. So if Jesus can publicly criticize not just the religion of Herod, but the politics of Herod, that gives us a framework to say, you know what, if I see someone in office doing something corrupt, 
it is not simply allowable biblically. There's biblical precedent from Jesus himself. I mean, in the gospel, in, in the Apocalypse of John, he literally calls Rome the, the whore of Babylon. He uses strong language to talk about the corruption and how Rome not only corrupted itself, but it corrupted the other nations around it. Hmm. And he says, because of those things, Rome will be judged. And so there's this language in the Bible of not simply saying we just pray and we're quiet, but we, we, when we discern evil, we speak clearly mm-hmm. about it. That's done by Jesus. It's done by John. It's done by Paul. Esau, do you think that we as individuals are tempted by political parties because of because we're intellectually lazy? Like we want someone to kind of lay out a platform for us? I think that we're really comfortable. I think we, we, we never, you can never underestimate the motivating power of sin and comfort. And so when someone tells us something that we want to hear and allows us to justify living the way that we live, then we continue to do it. One of the things that I spoke about in the article that I wrote for Christianity Today is that most of my friends who, who kind of abandon the church, the first thing they do is they kind of abandon their personal piety. So they say, well, the church is hypocritical, so therefore I can go and engage in this immoral behavior. Logically speaking, there's no reason for you to become more personally immoral (laughs) because you see hypocrisy in the church. But that hypocrisy gives you an excuse to follow your own desires. And so I'd say that a lot of our, not a lot, some of our political opinions are deeply and genuinely held. You know, we're human. We will disagree. But sometimes it's like if certain things about Christianity are are true, then I have to live my life in a different way, and I like the way that I live my life. I see. And this... This politician gives me an excuse to do that. So he said, then, in that same vein, is this a particular, probably not, but I'm going to answer my own question. Is this a particular American problem? I mean, do, the, do, do Christians who are living in Ethiopia or Uganda, they're not, are they following this same sort of pattern of, you know, uh, an alliance. easy alliance, alliance? And then, you know, because clearly, you know, their, their easy life is not our easy life. I would say in every generation and every culture, we're always tempted to make compromises. One of the things, one of the reasons the Sadducees in Jesus's day, well, you know, by undergirding their denial of the resurrection was this idea that this is the only thing that we have. Therefore, let's make our peace with the powers that be. And so their theology allowed for them to kind of be at peace with what was happening in Rome. And so I think that there's always, well, in Jerusalem, there's always this tendency to adjust our theology to give us greater comfort and to allow our politics and all of this to kind of create a life where suffering is reduced. The reason they didn't like the tax collectors in the first century because the tax collectors were collaborators with Rome. Why did they collaborate with Rome? Because he said there's no hope in Israel. Like, we fought against Rome. We lost. Well, the only thing I can do now is I can rob my people so then I can live a more comfortable life in the context of this oppression. The tax collectors had given up on Jesus or anyone doing something great for the people of Israel. And so there's always this tendency to embrace hopelessness that allows you not to continue to wait for and hope for the advent of God. Dr. Esau Macaulay is Assistant Professor of New Testament at Northeastern Seminary, Rochester, New York, also a priest in the Anglican Church in North America and director of the Anglican Multi-Ethnic Network, a coalition devoted to helping Anglican churches better reflect the diversity of their local communities. All right, Esau, we need to take a break. Can you stay with us a couple minutes? Okay. Sure. Very nice. Fantastic. We'll be back in a minute. I have a question to ask. Esau or? I want to ask Esau. Okay, great. Stick around. We're back in just a few. You 
may have to think hard about this. When was the last time you and your spouse went on a date? How about a date night where you had fun and made memories? It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, never fear, because the ultimate date night is near. For more than 20 years, marriage edutainers Jay and Laura LaFoon have been helping couples laugh together, sing together, and even dance cheek-to-cheek together while learning and growing closer together. The ultimate date night is a two-hour marriage experience where Jay and Laura LaFoon help couples reconnect. And whether you've been married one week or 75 years, you'll come away feeling closer to your spouse. In fact, 98% of people who attended the ultimate date night felt it added value to their marriage. The other 2% were in the bathroom when we took the survey. Don't miss your Ultimate Date Night coming soon. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. 2019 is going to be a really big year at Calusi. Not only because they've been in business for over a 100 years, but because they have some of the most popular and dependable vehicles on the road today. Stop in to check out the all-new 2019 Silverado. This month only, you can save big with 0% financing for up to 72 months on select 2018s. Check out this deal and others like it at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Hi, I'm Mike Ditcher. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turn to Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, do you excuse me? I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. If you're wondering how kids can be truly educated when God, Scripture, and prayer are removed from the classroom, well, wonder no more, because you have choices nearby, and you'll find them on the map at pittsburghchristianschools.net, pittsburghchristianschools.net. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress. Cloudy, brisk, and colder tonight. There can be a flurry early and then a better chance for a couple of snow showers later on. A low down to 18. A snow shower to start tomorrow. Otherwise, mostly cloudy, windy, and cold. Temperatures holding near 20. Some clouds into tomorrow night. It will be very cold. The low near 10. And then cloudy, cold into the weekend with a bit of snow around each day. High 27 Saturday and 32 for a high Sunday. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Brian Thompson on 101.5 Word FM. From Northeast Seminary in Rochester, New York, we're speaking with Dr. Esau McCulley. Esau, you said early in our conversation um, that the black church has never had the luxury of being apolitical. And man, man that's really thought-provoking for me. I just, I never, I never considered that. Yeah, so the politics are in the DNA of the church. Right. So what does that mean now when you look at, I mean, I hate to, I hate to say the black church and the white church, but it is what it is, so... 
how do you see the black church and the white church then all these years later in America? Um, well, I tend to, I think that's always a tricky question because we, we tend to define what's possible by what we can see. And I try to define what's possible by the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And so with Jesus being raised from the dead, all things are possible. So my hope is that the portions of the black church and the portions of the white church and the Latino church and the Asian church that believe the same thing will one day learn to work together for the yeah. sake of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, even though right now I feel like in a lot of ways we're alienated and we're mostly alienated when it comes to evangelicalism particularly around the question of, of justice. And that's really what separates the black church from the white church. That we, you know, the black people in the black church say, tend to say, this is a, you know, injustice is a problem, we have a problem, and, and it tends to get ignored. Mm-hmm. And that's really the source of a lot of the alienation. Yeah. So is that a problem that is a result of us not, maybe this is, maybe the answer to this is, is yes and yes. The, the Is the problem that we're not, faithful enough biblically or the fact that culturally we have just lost the ability to talk to each other? I think that I think the answer is yes, we're we're not being faithful biblically. Uh, one of the one of the examples that I use is that if you look at the beginning of Isaiah in the beginning of Isaiah, you see, on one hand, Isaiah speaking harshly against Israel for their idolatry and their personal immorality. But he also says in that same that same part of Isaiah, Woe to you who add house to house, so there's no room left in the land for people to live. And so Isaiah was able to combine personal immorality, faithfulness to God, and social injustice. And most of our churches do one or the other. Yeah. And when, when black churches in particular talk about issues of economic injustice, we tend to be called political. Political, and even though those things are found on nearly every page of the Old and New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual revolutionaries in an age of despair, Dr. Esau McCauley. Uh, Esau, tell us about your grandma, Wavon, and uh, why she called you your name. <laughs> um, whenever my grandma, Wavon, used to see me, she uh, my middle name was Daniel, and she would say, Oh, man, Daniel, he prays three times a day. And I didn't really understand what that meant. I mean, it was just like, it was something that she said. She grew up, um, she had a hard life. She grew up doing Jim Crow. And so I didn't understand what she meant for me to pray. But much years later, I found out that actually that phrase, oh, man, Daniel prays three times a day, isn't simply an allusion to the story in the Bible, even though it's there. There was also a spiritual that, that had that language in it. He said, well, what my grandmother was doing is she was trying to connect me to this this great tradition of black Christians who, in the, in the context of very difficult circumstances, maintained their faith in God and prayed for a better day. If you go back and read um, the early black accounts of what happened after the Civil War and the emancipation um, uh, of the end of slavery in the 13th Amendment, they attributed that that to an act of God. Mm-hmm. They said that God had heard our prayers. Mm-hmm. And so when my grandmother told me to pray three times a day, she was not simply talking about you know praying for my personal salvation, but praying, praying for a world in which black people might be free to pursue our dreams like everybody else. That's fabulous. What a great thing to tell you. Obviously, it changed you, right? She did. I mean, I, I was telling someone the other day that we don't appreciate the things that our parents instill in us, and sometimes they bear fruit in the fullness of time. Mm-hmm. And they, they said, I used to go, we used to go to these black churches down in Alabama, and we would be in church all day long. <laughs> and I would just be like, God, I, my prayer would be, God, <laughs> please let me out of here before one thirty, two o'clock. <laughs> you know, we, we would have the altar calls, and people would start to come up to the front, and, you know, the, the eight-year-old was like, oh, 
man, these people keep getting saved. I'm never going to get to see the football game. <laughs> but now, but now I look back on that time spent in church is that it was preparing me for things that I didn't even know. There's just, there's just, um, glory to God who could do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Like God was preparing stuff when I was nine, 10, 11 years old, that, I mean, who would have thought that a kid in Huntsville, Alabama would somehow end up on the radio with the people in Pittsburgh while mm-hmm. living in Rochester, New York. That's, That's why Jesus always wins over Satan because yeah. he can't, he can't plan. Mm-hmm. He can't, he can't plan to stop something that's in God's own providence. <laughs> that's cool. And that is so weird. I mean, yeah. really, you're right. Mixing yeah. all that stuff together is like, who could possibly even imagine that? Um, yeah. Esau, when we were, uh, getting ready for the show today, John and I, we were, you know, kind of poking around and you know seeing who's Esau Macaulay and you know all that sort of stuff checking you out and because um, that's what we do <laughs> yeah yeah a, and uh, yeah. and so we were looking at information on your call and response conference yes and uh, so I was looking at you know you had a like a huge oh, list man, of, what a roster of, of invitees yeah. right so I was looking yeah. through all of them and here's the thing and I you know I'm just being honest about saying this because I think it's I yeah. think it's illustrative. I knew two people on that list. Out of like 35 people. And I feel like John and I are pretty dialed in, right? I feel like yeah. we're pretty aware of stuff. But apparently not. Apparently, there is still a gigantic divide between culture shapers that are white and culture shapers who aren't. Yes. So there's this thing on the internet. They call it like black Twitter. Oh, yeah. And the reason they call it black Twitter, because there's an entire conversation that goes on in black communities that sometimes are completely unaware. So there is, there's this divide because we don't talk to one another. I mean, some, so, for example, whenever something happens on, online, you know, there's an incident with the police and people say, well, why don't you ever talk about black on black crime? I say, what are you talking about? Black people talk about black on black crime all of the time. They just don't talk about it around you because you're not around us. And so what people tend to hear, they tend to hear what kind of pops up into kind of they're unavoidable circles. Mm. And so there's tons of things like marches and events and conversations that are going on in the black community that just aren't heard because people aren't listening to us. And one of the things behind the call and response conference was to have an event that centers African-American voices while remaining faithful to the gospel. And it was a great event. And so many people said we never have things like this because we tend to be one of one or two black people invited to an all-white event. Yeah. And it's rare that you kind of bring black people from across the theological traditions, Baptist, Methodist, Anglicans, Pentecostals, and have them all in one in one place at one time. Nice. And we did it with no money, which was great. <laughs> so that was the first step, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was so crazy because I'm not famous. I don't have a large platform. And I just said, well, and a couple of friends of mine, we said, let's just do this. And we just started calling people. And we said, this is our vision. This is what we feel like God has called us to do. Will you come? And people just started saying yes. And we said, wow, I guess we have to do it. And so <laughs> it's um, it, it, it was, in that sense, uh, really an act of God. And, and then you have to wonder, will people actually show up? And once the event started and people started walking through the door. I said, I guess we're legit now. Um, so if God has given you a vision and you're listening to this on the radio, um, take the first step in faith and see, see, see what he'll do. That's fabulous. All right, Esau. So let's end uh, kind of where we started. Um, at the beginning, we talked about how the white church, the white evangelical church, certainly in the last 50 years, has been pretty aligned with the Republican Party. Um, yes. The black church equally aligned with the Democratic Party? Yes. And is it a mistake on both sides? 
Um, yes. I don't think, well, this, this is my dream. I would love it if we had like Independence Day. This is like my dream of dreams. If that, if if black Christians and white Christians, really like we all in mass, it's was drew from the political parties. Mm-hmm. We all registered independent, and then we said, let us hear proposals from the two parties to see which ones are going to be the best and most beneficial for our community. That we actually were a unit because right now they don't have to do it. They have to kind of give us crumbs, and then they keep us. And so I think really. I would love it if Christians of convictions really put pressure on both political parties to um, really put put together policies that are helpful. As an African-American Christian, I am not comfortable in a Democratic Party that is is so emphatically anti-life that it, in, in ways that are not even reasonable at points. And I can't, I can't I just I can't just say, well, I'm a Democrat because I'm mad at you know the. In, Issues in the Republican Party, but equally so, I cannot, I cannot, as a, as a Christian in a good conference conscience, listen to the way that um, the president of the United States talks about people of color, yeah. and feel comfortable like this is a place where I am really valued, and not just the language, but the policy and the and the actions that go back thirty, forty years. And so I'm not comfortable in either place, and I feel like that most Christians who many there are many other Christians who are like this. They feel like neither one of these places are places where I can be at home. And I do think we need a third option. And that's only possible if both parties really feel fear losing us. Nice. Okay, so we're on board. Let's do an Independence Day. Independence Day. We'll start a hashtag and we'll see if we can make it happen. Excellent. I like it. Yeah, now, Issa, you've, all, you've written a really excellent article that we haven't talked about at all. <laughs> we talked about your grandma. She's in the article. Yeah, talked about grandma. She's in the article. <laughs> all right. So maybe another time. Spiritual revolutionaries okay. in an age of despair. Look up Issa McCauley yeah. and Christianity Today. Thanks Issa, thanks for being here. All right. You have a great day. You as well. That's a good conversation. Issa McCauley, uh, really. Uh, M-C-C-A-U-L-L-E-Y. Issa McCauley. Take a quick break. Come back. We're just getting started. Stick around. It's the ride home. 101.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New New music. New music from Hawk Nelson. Never let you down. I've never let you down. What If by Blanca. And Yes I Will from Vertical Worship. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? 
Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-311-9115. 800-311-9115. That's 800-311-9115. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly. To protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Hi, this is Tunch Yelkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. 2019 is going to be a really big year at Calusi, not only because they've been in business for over 100 years, but because they are launching the all-new, totally redesigned Chevy Silverado truck. And while supplies last, you could save over $11,200 on select 2018 Silverado pickups when you finance with GM Financial and qualify with a current GM lease. Check out this deal and others like it at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Since uh, so many teenagers get health information online, Apparently, Planned Parenthood is stepping to the front of line. They are uh, producing a, a new chatbot, and the chatbot can be accessed on mobile phones at ru.plannedparenthood.org. And um, if you can't find what you're looking for, then you go to uh, the Planned Parenthood uh, main page. However, mm-hmm. uh, the chatbot is giving kids information, apparently, on STDs, uh, pregnancy, crushes, abortion, Mm -hmm. and all the things that you think. That sounds great. So there it is. On your smartphone, if your kid's got a smartphone, they can check out Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. and the chat bot Mm -hmm. will guide them through the process of whatever it is. So basically, what that tells each one of us is it, if you're a parent, it is your job to talk to your kids about sex. Do not let Planned Parenthood Parenthood talk to them for you. Yeah. That's uh, what I say. We watched the video a little earlier today. We're going to talk about uh, deeper in the show with Russell Moore. And you have adults talking to kids about sexuality and abortion um, from a really look I, advocacy perspective. You know, someone who is far, far. Well, here's the thing, though. If I'm talking to my kids about abortion, I'm talking from an advocacy perspective, too. Yeah, but they're your kids. Right. Well, that's a good point. It's not some, you know. Right political organization right right, it's not like i'm going into a group of kindergartners and telling them what i think yeah or talking to some fifth graders about my abortion right look i i just absolutely resent how we all in america have just like offloaded the responsibility for sex education onto whoever like somehow we think the schools need to do it or the 
whoever needs to do it or whatever. Like it, it's like we don't have any responsibility in right. it. Right. When you were a kid, did you get a sex talk? No, I don't think so. I mean, I got. I I remember I got a book oh. to read, but that was kind of the way things were in my house. Is that is that you know? Here's a book. We just learned everything through books. Right. right. So here's a book. Yeah. Then that was. Pretty much it. <laughs> that was it. Did you get a talk? Heck no. Mike, did you me? get a talk? I got nothing. I got a talk, but it was very brief. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, well, at least you got it something. It was very brief. I, Dawn and Grace Hall, nothing. 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 I, well, mine would probably would have been better if it was nothing. Yeah, <laughs> probably so. I think I got the sex talk from Patrick O'Neill. Who was like in my grade? Oh, and I was great. like, "What's going on? I don't want to hear that." Okay, so here's the thing: the reason that Planned Parenthood is coming up with that is right. because there's a vacuum. Exactly, they wouldn't be offering that if there wasn't. But how if there wasn't there, a ready audience. How can there be a vacuum when you're walking around? With, I mean, look, I think most kids or a lot of kids are getting sex information from watching porn. Oh, I'm sure, of course. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So sure. I'm sure for people think, well, yeah, at least you're going to get some good information from right. Planned Parenthood, which right. is re- crazy as well. Right. I don't know. There's got to be a better way. Talk to your kids, please. Talk yeah, to your just kids. talk to your kids. Did and, you talk to your kids? Yeah. But yeah, here's the thing. And kids. you know what the most important thing to say is? This is really awkward. Well, just start out by saying this is really awkward yeah. and then just go into it. Because if you're if you're trying to like be all like prim and proper and like anatomical about it, it that's dumb. No, no, no. I have a because question. Everybody now. thinks it's awkward. So how how young it. is too young? Well, I now like, I, feel I don't like, know. No, it comes in stages, Mike. I mean, you know what I mean? You talk about the but birds. But is there and- a specific age, though, where you should? Or is it just I think like, you have to know your kid. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Test the maturity out with each child. I mean, when our kids were little, you know, we talked about, in, you know, in general terms, I think like most people, the birds and the bees. And then I remember having like the real sex talk with my kids when they were like 10, maybe. And, and I did it in such a way with both of my boys. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were in the, they were, I was driving, pulled over, we were having some ice cream. And then he was, you know, next to me in the front seat. He wasn't going anywhere. You know, I wasn't going anywhere, so... You cornered him. Uh, kind of. And that was good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I left there thinking, yeah. okay, John, not, 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 not a bad job. I mean, both the boys are still in therapy, but seriously, hey, I mean, not. that one moment. They are not. John thought it was good. <laughs> right. I'm Take a break, come back. I don't know. I'll Am kind I of talk. birds and bees talk right now? <laughs> you, you better. <laughs> I think we're done okay. with that. Okay. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. 
He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge, January 25th through 27th. Word FM welcomes the Projecting Hope Film Festival to select area theaters, presented by the Speakman Financial Group, featuring the best faith-focused films of 2018, plus exclusive pre-release screenings for 2019, like Run the Race from executive producer Tim Tebow and the highly anticipated Easter release breakthrough made possible by Geneva College. Visit ProjectingHopePGH.com for times and locations. Sponsored by Calusi Chevrolet, Grace Wellness Center, and JD Waterproofing. Hundreds of ministries have discovered the success of a partnership with OnePlace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform on the web. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with OnePlace, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximized outreach and impact. And Dr. David Jeremiah. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through OnePlace are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your ministry to our audience. Visit us at OnePlaceRadio.com. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. 2019 is going to be a really big year at Calusi. Not only because they've been in business for over 100 years, but because they have some of the most popular and dependable vehicles on the road today. Stop in to check out the all-new 2019 Silverado. This month only, you can save big with 0% financing for up to 72 months on select 2018s. Check out this deal and others like it at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. Over the last decade or so, there's been a proliferation of emotional support animals. Well, here's the latest. Um, a guy from York Haven, PA, it's uh, over on the other side of the state. He says that his emo- emotional support alligator helps him deal with depression. <laughs> Joey Henry, 65, says that he registered his emotional support animal named Wally. Wally likes to snuggle and give hugs despite being a five-foot-long alligator. And he, hungry. The York Haven man said he received approval from his doctor to use Wally as his emotional support animal after not wanting to go on medication for depression. He says, quote, I had Wally, and when I came home and was around him, it was all okay. My doctor knew about Wally and figured it worked, so why not? Wally was rescued from outside Orlando at 14 months old, still growing. He said he could be as long as 16 feet long one day. He likes to eat chicken, shares an indoor plastic mm-hmm. pond with a smaller rescue animal. Wally oh, what, is, what, does that rescue animal know how long he's going to end up being? Well, I guess everyone's going to find out one day. right? Wally turns four this year. Apparently, he's a big teddy bear, in Henry's words. The cold-blooded reptile likes to rest his snout on Henry likes to give hugs the alligator has never bitten anyone yet and is even afraid of cats uh, while they acknowledge he is still a dangerous wild animal could probably tear his arm off but says he's never been afraid of him Ooh, danger 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 yes that i mean everybody thinks you know it's okay to have these wild animals what lions and tigers and bears and sooner or later something bad happens don't do that you realize that's absolutely crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. He says he's just like a dog. He told some woman he, at a recent Except outing. he's a reptile and not a dog. He wants to be loved and petted. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't even know what to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Well, different Who's, strokes. So the other rescue animal is not named. No, it like isn't. Like by no. name or breed. Okay, so or, here's it. So remember we saw heard the story a while ago where the woman brought her peacock on the airplane? That's or my favorite. That's my all-time favorite emotional support animal. Okay, so now peacock. can you bring an alligator? Can you imagine going on an airplane? You're you know leaving Pittsburgh International Airport. You're going to take a flight, and a guy gets on with an alligator. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? And what's who's the doctor who yeah. said, no, you're right. That is an emotional support. I mean, mm-hmm. I appreciate the guy wants to try to go without medication. Right. I think, okay, if you want to do that, you know, I'm cool with that. But the doctor actually signed the piece of paper saying, no, this, this alligator is his emotional support right. animal. What kind yeah. of doctor is this? The same doctor who next month is going to prescribe medical marijuana exactly. for the alligator. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Stick around. Our 5 o'clock hour. You do not want to miss it. Russell Moore is with us. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. There are signs of movement towards ending the government shutdown. Shortly after the Senate rejected competing plans to reopen the government, South Carolina's Lindsey Graham says he called the president to talk about a plan to reopen the government for three weeks while both sides negotiate. I told him we're talking about a three-week CR, and all of us believe if we had three weeks with the government open, with all the discord coming from a shutdown, that we could find a way forward to produce a bill that he would sign that would be good for everybody in the country, but we need that opportunity. Speaking on the Senate floor, Graham says he's never been more optimistic that a solution may be within reach. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 22 points, but the Nasdaq rose 47 and the S&P advanced 4. Crude oil up 51 cents to 53.13 a barrel. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. How long has it been since you and your spouse got away for an evening? You know what I mean? A night where you don't have to do the cooking or wash the dishes or tell the waiting staff to go to bed. A night where you don't have to pack Cheerios and where you don't plan to run some errands on the way home. Bottom line, when was the last time you two got to just laugh together? Make room on your calendar for the ultimate date night with Jay and Laura LaFoon. You may ask, what is an ultimate date night? It's the perfect place to laugh and learn to love each other better. It's like no other marriage event you've ever been to because you'll actually enjoy it. Join us. You know you need a good laugh. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, an ultimate evening of marriage edutainment. Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. My dad, a hard-working, regular blue-collar guy, a Korean War vet, a Pittsburgher, a Yinzer. He married, raised a family, and gave over 20 years of his life to one company, and that company filed for bankruptcy. I watched my mom and dad struggle at a late age, and it was tough, but they made it. For almost 30 years now, I, and now Ethan, have helped all the people that God entrusted to our management, putting together retirement blueprints, personalized, customized solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. 
the way I wished it would have happened for my parents. I'm Kurt Kenotic. My company, Accurate Solutions Group, would love to help you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call 412-515-3555, 412-515-3555, or visit ASGRetire.com. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys' soccer, girls' volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit extremetruck.net. 412-257-1006, extremetruck.net. Cloudy, brisk, and colder tonight. There can be a flurry early and then a better chance for a couple of snow showers later on. A low down to 18. A snow shower to start tomorrow. Otherwise, mostly cloudy, windy, and cold. Temperatures holding near 20. Some clouds into tomorrow night. It will be very cold. The low near 10. And then cloudy, cold into the weekend with a bit of snow around each day. High 27 Saturday and 32 for a high Sunday. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Brian Thompson on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. During the break, we uh, sort of take care of some housekeeping. Kathy ran down the hall. I ran into the kitchen, did my lunch dishes, ate a donut, and then had a cup of coffee with a Splenda in it. Who, who eats a donut and then has a coffee with a Splenda? Like I'm like careful about my sugar Right, intake. like why did, in the world did you choose a Splenda? <laughs> I always do. That's what I always put in my coffee. Why is that? Because I was trying to watch sugar. Oh. But I had a donut. Oh, my gosh. It was a good donut. It was a coconut donut. These, okay, so every Thursday, or every other Thursday, a client shows up and uses our studios. for. They're producing a show out of Boston. They're using the back studios. These people come in. They look like supermodels, right? They look Seriously. I mean, they, they are dressed impeccably. They are as lithe and as long as you possibly could want to see. And they always come in with two dozen donuts. That they never eat. To the rest of us mere mortals. Mm-hmm. you know. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Okay, now, I'm curious about this, though, because I can never – I don't like artificial sweeteners, the taste of them oh, at mean. all. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. But the one thing I could never do is I can never have actual sugar and artificial sweetener because that, to me, tastes absolutely like – unbelievably horrendous what do you mean together yes like or right right after one another oh. like i could never have like a diet coke with like a, a cookie or something a what never never i'm not so that, that doesn't bother you <laughs> <laughs> look at me i'm not okay that just take a look at me all right do you think i'm like that discerning about my sugar i mean clearly i shouldn't have brought it up i try to be good although you know speaking of sugar what what day is today National Peanut Butter Day. Now, there's some sugar for no. you. No. 
Oh, there's no. Listen, what are you kidding me? Listen to me. If you buy oh, yeah, natural yeah, yeah. peanut butter, there is zero sugar mm, in it. Organic peanut butter. Ze- no, it doesn't have to be organic. Smucker's national natural national natural really? peanut butter. First of all, is the single most delicious thing. If you say, Kathy, what food could you not go without? That would be at the top of my list. What? What? I love it so much. Smucker's and natural the only peanut butter. Ingredients are peanuts and salt. Really? There's no sugar. Now, Jif, your Skippy. Your whatever they the all have sugar. Yeah, they yeah, all have sure, sugar. Sure. Really? Okay. So and so, what's the taste difference? It's, you know, we were talking about pumpkin pie yesterday, Mike. Yes, because yesterday was National Pie Day, mm-hmm. and I said the thing about pumpkin pie is it has a really deep taste to it. There's a lot going on. Yeah. In Smucker's natural peanut butter, it's the same way. Really? There's a lot going on. It's way, way, way more dense, in- dense and interesting than like a Skippy. Really? Yeah. When you open it up, is the oil up top? Yeah. And then you got to stir it up. Yeah, and it's a pain. Well, it's a pain. But it's worth it. It is worth it. Do you eat it too, Mike? I do. What? Really? Oh, yeah. I love it. Who are you two? But to be honest, I would rather have Peter pa- uh, Peter. Peter Pan peanut butter. I yeah. can get it out. Peter Pan peanut butter. Yeah. What, crunchy real, or real. smooth? Oh. Ooh. Uh-huh. See, that's a toss-up for me. Toss-up? Yeah. I'm always liking crunchy. Oh, and I'm always smooth. Really? I, like bo- I love both. I like the crunch. Okay, texture. so Peter Pan in particular is your fave. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what ingredient is in there. That uh, that'd be the sugar. <laughs> probably, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> of course yeah. it is. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah it's the sugar. You're, yeah. Who but here's want? the thing. If you're doing the peanut butter and jelly, which I always am, uh-huh. or okay. the peanut butter and banana, either way, your jam or your pin- banana are both sugary or mm-hmm. both sweet, so I don't really notice it. Yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. It's not something that I, wish that, nice. that I wish I had. Okay, so you bring up peanut butter and jelly. When you're doing a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, your preferred jelly oh, is Oh, my gosh. What? I'm so glad you asked. So glad you asked because I'm very particular about mm-hmm. it. I really love strawberry rhubarb jam. Really? I love it. I don't particularly like oh, strawberry jam. I love it. Really? I love it. My favorite, favorite jam, red raspberry. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Red raspberry jam is delicious. Oh, it is delicious. Smokes. Mm-hmm. I'm having that for dinner. It is <laughs> or maybe delicious. Just as an appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> just a jelly. Just jelly. saying, yeah. How about that's a late night snack for me, which is a horrible late night snack. Some triscuits and peanut butter and jelly. Okay. For, okay. First of all, that's fine. Well, yeah. I think you so. could do a lot worse. Well, as far I don't as a know. Snack. It's pretty bad. It's not pretty it's bad. It's like all that sugar I'm eating like before I well, go to bed. But if, what if you bought different peanut butter? Then you wouldn't have any okay, sugar. Okay, maybe I'll try that. You'd feel really good about that. I'll run that through the mess. Um, here is my very favorite way to have peanut butter. Well, it's, it's such a toss-up. Okay, I think my very favorite way to have peanut butter is on a banana. Okay? You take your banana, you slice it up, you put your peanut butter on a plate, and you just mix them together, and you just love your what? life. What? I don't want to love I love peanut life. butter, and I love bananas, but I don't want to do oh, the two of those things together. it is so delicious. Is that like an and Elvis Presley thing? Uh, I was never an Elvis fan, so I don't I know about that. He did something with peanut butter bananas. But that I was with he bacon. Fried it. That was with bacon. Okay. Yeah, I don't do that. But you have to eat. Uh, you have to eat your peanut butter banana with chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. You just have to. Okay. But the second best way is peanut butter and jelly on salted rice cakes. That is really salted rice cakes. I thought you were going to say celery. No. Oh, I I, I, I've done that many I times. I've done that, but it's not. That it, was an hors d'oeuvre at our it, house. Right. Kidding me? We were like it's living not high. With jam though. No, no. No, you just can't the peanut, do butter peanut butter and, butter and, and celery. jelly. Yeah. Or peanut butter and cream. Oh, no, it is celery and cream cheese. Which mm. is really. A- How about celery, cream cheese, and olives? Oh, yeah. Pimento. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We mm-hmm. did that. Oh, yeah. We thought we were like, holy smokes. We're like, you know, 
What was a isn't feat. that a that was like a very weird food phase? I think it was like a very fifties, you know, late fifties, early sixties. I think it was okay. But let's get back to peanut butter. Okay, rice cakes to me are so delicious because you've got the texture. Uh, yeah, that's good. And then you add the peanut butter and the jelly on top of that mm-hmm. with your chocolate milk, which of course you should make with rich chocolate Ovaltine because that's the very best kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, that's, isn't that sandy? It's kind of like it's rough, isn't it? Uh, it's gritty. Gritty. Wrong. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. You brought this up. Don't you find delight, uh, and I don't think people don't think about this, in different textures of food? Oh, yeah. Right? Mixing textures, I think, is important. I think it is, too. Yeah. It's, it's almost as important as the taste of food. Mm-hmm. Well, I you, think you're right yeah, about that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So how's your? what's your favorite way to eat peanut butter? Uh, peanut butter and jelly. On what? Um, on white bread. On white bread? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 so I want to be like, you know, 12 again. Coming okay, in so after. you're thinking like white bread, like kind of like Wonder Bread. Kind of. Okay. Or, you know, with a glass of milk, you know, or chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy to have that. Okay, Mike? Peanut, peanut butter and toast. Toast? Now, peanut butter and toast. I don't Wait, like now that. listen, Every I never morning, do this. I, I never do this. And I have a cup of tea with it. I, di- I, dip, it in, I dip the toast and peanut butter in the tea. Oh, really? So good. You dip it. You're dunking. Yeah, I'm dunking that. What? Now, wait. Are you putting butter on your toast first? No, no, no. Just toast and, and peanut, peanut butter. butter. Is the peanut butter like getting melty? Oh, yeah. So you, that's the thing. You have to put the peanut butter on the toast as soon as it pops out of that toaster. Oh, I see. So it melts. And you just dip it right into that toast. And you dip into it into tea. your tea. Do yeah. you have sugar in your tea? Oh, of course. Okay. And milk? No. Just no, I don't put sugar. milk in my tea. I put milk in my tea. Really? I, I and am you're not... dipping. What kind of bread are you using? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. But well, for me, it matters because I'm gluten-free. But yeah, the gluten-free white bread, artisan white bread that I use. What <laughs> <laughs> a snob. Crazy. White, it's good. white bread artisan. <laughs> We're a crazy group of people. I mean, everybody has their own weird thing. But how about the dunking thing? People used to dunk you know, as a sort of a cultural thing, right? And now you feel like there's no dunking? I don't think there's a lot. There's I'm a surprised. Lot of it. That, listen, I was just down at um, people are dunking on the corner of Penn and Twenty First a few weeks ago, and we had like a nice warm day. Not nice warm day. It was a warmer <laughs> day, <laughs> yeah. and uh, there were a lot of Italian men who were dunking their biscotti and their coffee. Oh, oh no! Yeah. See, I could see that. Okay, if you're going to dunk, that's a good thing to dunk because it's so crisp and hard. But a, a peanut butter thing is doesn't it get soggy? Mike? But that's the way you like it, Mike, oh, right? Yeah. Soggy. That's the way I like I, I it. How about a Dunkin' Donuts? Right? That, I mean, the, the whole company's named after the Dunkin'. I don't like donuts. A what? Mm-mm. I just downed a donut during the break. I, I know. A coconut donut. Man, mm. that's, you don't like a donut? How could you not? Do you like a crueler? Well, I would like any of those things, let's oh, be honest. Okay, here we go. No, okay, but I'm you're fitting I, in your pants. Yeah, but I, ha- yeah. Right, I, I do want to fit in my pants. All right, okay. But I would, I mean, if you're asking me, would I rather have a donut or a piece of cake? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah, of it's not no, even a contest. No comparison. I mean, yeah. why would you waste your time on a donut when there's cake in the world? Right, right. Okay, we need to take a break. Or a brownie. Who wouldn't want oh, a What about a peanut butter brownie? What about peanut <laughs> butter on a brownie? That's good. I'll take that. Oh, my yeah, that's good. gosh, that's delicious. Okay, we're going to go from peanut butter dunking to Russell Moore. I'm going to ask Russell us. Moore about how, how he likes his peanut butter best. Before or after the conversation gets underway? Maybe at the start. All right. Stick around. It's the ride home here on Word FM. 101.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New music. New music from I Am They. Scars. I'm 
You Were Holding Me by Jasmine Murray. And with Lifted Hands by Ryan Stevenson. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Come on, kids. We're late. Honey, the car won't start. Mom, the dog just sat on my science project. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases, with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day, with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com. How many sales are you missing because you're not effectively using social media marketing? The vast majority of the population is on social media, shopping. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Hi, I'm Mike Ditcher. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turned to Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, excuse me, I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. At the CMA Foundation, we believe every child should have the access and opportunity to participate in quality music programs. I'm Sarah Evans. Music has always been a huge part of my life. Music education isn't just important if you're going to make it your career. It also helps children develop the abilities that set them up for lifelong success. Music is transformative, and I want to ensure that it is never silenced. Learn more at itstartswithme.org. From SkyPass Entertainment comes The Least of These, the Graham Stain story. When speculation mounts that a local missionary is converting locals to Christianity in India, a journalist must choose between his own ambition and the truth. We can't make any mistakes. I know. We must pray. Based on the incredible true story, The Least of These, the Graham Stain Story, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters February 1st with a special sneak peek Thursday, January 31st. For theaters and tickets, go to theleastofthese.movie. Earlier this week, the New York State Senate cheered loud and long. I mean, if you've not seen the video or heard the audio, loud and long for the passing of a bill which which, uh, allowed abortion at any stage during a mother's pregnancy, to be terminated, which is absolutely heinous. Uh, here to talk to us about that and other things about abortion, when people cheer abortion, Russell Moore is with us. Russell's a, a, really just an excellent guest. He uh, is um, he's here today to talk to us about this piece that he wrote, and we picked it up. Russell, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, thank you for having me. Good to be with you. Thank you. 
Russell, the video was, uh, or the video that had audio with it from the New York Senate chamber was really sobering, wasn't it? It really was. It was. Uh, it was something where um, I, I even have heard from people who disagree with me on the abortion issue, but who had always sort of taken a well, abortion should be legal but rare sort of position, uh, who were rattled uh, by seeing the, the sort of cheering uh, that is going on for for this really, really barbaric and, and radical proposal. Um, and so I think it's just another one of those moments where. Uh, those of us who are committed to the sanctity of all human life, regardless of stage of, of conception or uh, ability or lack thereof, ought to um, ought to really be sobered by it. Yeah. See, this is this is really deeper than just some some political argument or social argument. Right. This has permeated the culture in ways that are surprising, almost ghoulish. And in the piece that you wrote, when people cheer abortion, you referenced a, a, an episode of a video, video series by an organization, Hi-Ho Kids. Please tell our audience about this. Well, the video series is to have kids talk with people from you know various stages, various uh, callings in life and and uh, one of them was with a woman who had had an abortion. And one of the things that I noticed watching this video is how awkward it was because you can see these children trying to figure out what the right answer is. Right. And they, they, they can almost you know, see them uh, thinking, well, I'm expected to say that abortion's okay, but they kept using the word baby. Uh, they kept saying, well, I suppose if the reasons are right, and the, the, per- the adult in the room who's leading them is is sort of rebuking them uh, along and asking, well, are you religious? Have you been raised in this way? Um, and so when I see that, I see uh, both kind of um, human blindness uh, that we often have uh, to injustice, uh, but I also see some hope there. I mean, you, you have children who are, who are seeing what's right in front of them, that this really is uh, a baby. This is Okay, Russell, I'm going to stop you for a minute because I want to be able to play for our listeners a little bit of this audio. So, Mike, hit that for us. Do you think that us. sometimes it's not okay to have an abortion? I want to say if, like, if you're being reckless, if there's nothing wrong going on. I don't know. I just don't agree. Hmm? Thus begins a video. It's called Kids Meet Someone Who's Had an Abortion by Hi-Ho Kids. The host is Amelia Bono, who's from the organization Shout Your Abortion. And uh, Russell, as you brought up, Amelia's sitting there. She's a full-grown adult who's had an abortion. And she's sitting there with kids, probably the oldest. Fifth grade, sixth grade? Yeah, the oldest one, I bet, was probably 15. Maybe so. 15 or 16. And she's just asking them, hey, you know, what do you think about abortion? And, Russell, it's kind of obvious. It's like, in fact, you brought up this um, this uh, kind of, like, you called it a Sunday school answer. You know, the story where someone is, is talking to a group of kids, like at a children's sermon or something, and they say, okay, so tell me about, you know, what's the name of the animal? You know, they have a big fluffy tail, and they live in trees, and they climb really fast, and they really like nuts. And the kid says, well, I know the right answer is Jesus. I just don't know how to get there, right? So mm-hmm. so clearly in this instance of this video that we're talking about by Hi-Ho Kids, kids meet someone who's had an abortion, the kids realize that she's trying to get them to say the right thing. Right, yeah. And, and uh, so when she challenges the idea that there might 
that there might even be wrong reasons uh, for aborting. That, that itself is crossing the line. Right. And I think that's really indicative of what we've seen sort of across the, the culture, just in terms of messaging. It, it used to be that the language was, well, nobody wants abortion, but laws don't really uh, stop them, and so let's have them be safe. That was the, the message. Safe, legal, and rare. Used. Right. Right. Now, uh, that itself is considered to be offensive. And we see not only the curing uh, that was taking place in the, in the New York uh, Senate chamber, but we see Governor Cuomo uh, lighting up uh, the, the state capitol uh, in pink in honor of, uh, in honor of this, uh, the passage of this bill. It, it's, it's really moved to a, a very different level. It sure is. And I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes, uh, sometimes pro-life uh, Americans uh, assumed when the Planned Parenthood videos were released, um, a couple of years ago, the sense was, well, if everyone sees just how awful uh, this conversation is behind closed doors, that will turn the tide. Right. And when it didn't, I think some, there were some people who were really dispirited by that. Well, I, I can't imagine, Russell, though, I mean, the, the New York Senate, if they themselves had to walk in and participate in a late-term abortion, you would think somehow that that would change people's minds when you're dismembering a, a body, a child, uh, which is just absolutely Frankensteinian. Well, but that's the thing. That's that's what we as sinners always want to do is to turn our eyes away from who, whomever we don't want to, to see. And so if I, if I don't want to see that person beaten on the side of the road, on the road to Jericho, I simply cross over to the other side. I don't want to pay attention to the poor and the, and the suffering in my community. I just don't make eye contact with them or think about them. And if I don't want to think about this as not just an abstract uh, issue, but as a person, then I just redefine. Uh, I redefine them away. They're they're a pregnancy uh, rather than rather than a, a child. And that's why you can see even the people using um, using language entirely dependent upon. Uh, whether or not the the context is a baby they want or or not. Right. Uh, so when when the baby is is wanted in 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 the terms they use, then this is a baby. This is a uh, here's a sonogram of my baby. But but when it's not, when it's in the context of abortion, this is this is just a pregnancy. And if you talk about it in personal terms, you're 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 doing something right. wrong. I mean, in that video, the, this this grown woman sitting with these little girls, that you know, and the boys. one the one little girl says, "Well, I'm I'm curious about how they do that." You know, she's talking about how they perform an abortion, and this grown woman says to these little girls, "They suck the pregnancy out. It was like a crappy dentist appointment." And one of the little girls is so pained, she kind of like jumps in the air a little bit. I mean, it's it's yeah. absolutely heinous. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that we as, as Christians ought to do when we see something like this is to, um, is to have compassion upon this woman to say there's, there's something going on within the conscience. I mean, the, the Bible tells us that the conscience has written on it um, the, the law of God, and, and so there's a sense in which all of this talk about this is no big deal. Uh, I mean, obviously, if it were no big deal, then you wouldn't be spending this amount of energy to shout it. Right. Uh, you know, a dentist appointment is no big deal, but I don't shout my dentist appointment and have uh, and have confrontations with people who think that um, that that I shouldn't uh, have gone there. 
mean, that, that, that's a, this is a, this is a, one of the reasons why this is so raw is because it really is right at the, right at the, the core of, of the conscience. Russell Moore is with us. He's the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the nation's largest Protestant denomination. He's the author of a bunch of books, including Adopted for Life, The Priority of Adoption for Christian Families and Churches, which he has lived himself, the best-selling book Onward, and The Storm-Tossed Family, which is his latest, How the Cross Reshapes the Home, which Christianity Today voted their book of the year for 2018. Um, Russell, let's go back to that video for a minute. Um Again, for listeners who are just joining us, this is a video that's put out by uh, Hi-Ho Kids, and it's called Kids Meet Someone Who's Had an Abortion, hosted by Amelia Bono from the organization called Shout Your Abortion. And um, it, it's hard for me to get my head around uh, adults that don't recognize the impact that they have on the kids around them. And this is just another one of those instances. I mean, clearly she's in an authority position, and she's you know asking the kids what they think about an abortion that she's already admitted to having so they're not going to actually give her clearly their honest opinion on it but there was one point i really thought this was kind of the money line in the video um here's what uh amelia bono asks the kids are you religious at all i believe in god Mm -hmm. what do you think that god thinks about abortion if i were to say i think like he's fine with it because there are still babies being born Mm -hmm. what do you think god thinks about abortion I think it's all part of God's plan. All right, Russell, how do you read that? Uh, again, I think this is somebody who is uh, who is attempting to um, is attempting to speak to herself, not so much to those children, mm-hmm. but to, to reassure her own uh, conscience. And um, and the children here are sort of uh, sort of props in the middle of that. And, uh, I mean, the, the, what, what's happening here is you see this child saying, well, I think God's okay with it because babies are still being born, um, is itself a really depersonalizing uh, sort yeah. of issue. I mean, we don't, we don't harm one another because we don't have enough of us. Uh, we don't harm one another because we believe that human beings are, are valuable in and of themselves. And that's really what's going on here. I mean, it's all conversation is about whether or not people are to be valued on the basis of their power. Uh, you know, when people will say, well, uh, unborn children are not viable uh, until a certain uh, point in pregnancy, and therefore they don't matter in terms of personhood. Well, the reality is none of us are viable. Right. If what we mean by that is able to exist uh, independently, uh, the, the child in the womb is dependent upon the ecosystem of the womb, and all of us are still dependent upon the ecosystem around us. If you take away air and, and uh, water, uh, we die. Right. We, we can't exist independently. So there are all sorts of um, implications here that, that, when played out, have horrific consequences, really, across the board. Amen to that. Russell, thanks an awful lot. We always appreciate your time here with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Our pleasure. Dr. Russell Moore, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Listen, you got to pick up that book, yeah, the, the Storm-Tossed Family. Brand it's new a, book. Yeah, one of my top five from last year. Take a quick break. Come back in just a few minutes. Teresa Bouchard will be with us during the 5.30 hour of the show. We're talking about depression and anxiety. I 
I've been married so long, I don't even look when I cross the street anymore. No, please. Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we're bringing our ultimate date night to your community. What is an ultimate date night? It's 90 minutes of nonstop laughter, music, and fun. It's a great night for you to reconnect with your spouse. It's a night for all couples to connect through entertainment, all the while learning some biblical truth about marriage. We've been helping couples celebrate the gift of marriage for over 20 years, and we can't wait to bring our comedic look at marriage to your community. So get out of that date night rut. You know, that dinner and a movie over and over again. Or maybe you haven't even been on a date in a long time. Join us at the Ultimate Date Night and get ready to laugh. And get ready to connect. Grab your spouse by the hand and join us at the Ultimate Date Night. Word FM presents the Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep. Real sleep. Deep sleep. The kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four-pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code word at mypillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code word at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today. That's mypillow.com. Promo code word. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge, January 25th through 27th. Word FM welcomes the Projecting Hope Film Festival to select area theaters, presented by the Speakman Financial Group, featuring the best faith-focused films of 2018, plus exclusive pre-release screenings for 2019, like Run the Race from executive producer Tim Tebow, and the highly anticipated Easter release breakthrough made possible by Geneva College. Visit projectinghopepgh.com for time. Times and locations. Sponsored by Calusi Chevrolet, Grace Wellness Center, and JD Waterproofing. Cloudy, brisk, and colder tonight. There can be a flurry early and then a better chance for a couple of snow showers later on. A low down to 18. A snow shower to start tomorrow. Otherwise, most of the cloudy, windy, and cold. Temperatures holding near 20. Some clouds into tomorrow night. It will be very cold. The low near 10. And then cloudy, cold into the weekend with a bit of snow around each day. High 27 Saturday and 32 for a high Sunday. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Brian Thompson on 101.5 Word FM. Bono, the lead voice for you 2 is always a lightning rod. I mean, that's just his personality. I think he was born to be a nudge. <laughs> Part of it, right? He's often said over the years he has to apologize to his bandmates. You know, like, I'm so sorry that you have to tolerate me and be yeah. associated with me all the time because I can't keep my mouth shut. Right. Um, Bono's the kind of person who, to me, um, I'm 
grateful to have in the public uh, because he messes with my um, predetermined view of the world and he knocks it up a little bit. And I really appreciate that because I need that. You know, I'm, I'm a person who, you know, has opinions and, you know, reads a lot. And I need people who are going to, you know, challenge me. Push you uh, out of your lane. Exactly. Push me out of my lane. And that's exactly what he's done yeah. um, in my life over many years. Anyway, I was reading an article written today uh, in the Irish Times. Uh, Bono was speaking at a panel to fill a multi-trillion dollar financing gap to help the United Nations achieve its goal to end global poverty by 2030 and advocate for the fight against extreme poverty in Africa and AIDS. Hmm. But what caught my attention is uh, the quote. He said this. He was talking about capitalism. And he said, capitalism is not immoral. It's amoral. It requires our instruction, he told the crowd. Capitalism has taken more people out of poverty than any other ism, but it's a wild beast that, if not tamed, can chew up a lot of people along the way. Yeah, well, you know, good common sense. For many decades, though, Bono was an avowed leftist. Mm-hmm. And I've very much appreciated how, over the years, he has kind of realized that common sense has to rule the day. And his heart for those who are underprivileged around the world has really caused him to see that wait a minute let's see what's actually working i think that's the key of it that's what i like about him and that's what i like about people like bono is that you're not tied to a political party when you've got an issue you're actually tied to seeing who can help you fix the problem you want to see fixed so you're not going to be a lackey for the Democratic Party, or you're not going to be a lackey for the Republican Party. You're actually going to believe in something, and you're going to see what the best answer is to that problem or what the best road is to get to your end that you're looking for. And I feel like he's partnered with you know people like Bill Clinton. He's partnered with people like George W. Bush yeah. because I think he really does see the end goal as the thing that's important. Anyway – I like what he said about capitalism. I thought it was thought-provoking. Yeah. I thought, you know, for those of us, and I'm a conservative, and so I'm always beating the drum of capitalism because I think, it, you know, it's it's the greater it's flourish. The, it's the greater flourishing is exactly what I think. However, it can be a beast that can overtake people. Yeah, I look mean, at, I mean, look, look at your own self. Exactly, right? exactly. You don't have to look any further than no, your own no, checkbook, of course, no, right. right? But if you want to, you can look at the. What do you love? Exactly. You can look at the stock exchange. You can look at the Hamptons. You can look at wherever it is, and you can say, okay. Cap- Greed is right. good, right? Okay. Right. Capitalism gone away. But it's not – capitalism itself is not immoral. The problem is that we are immoral, right? right? So whether you're talking about you know whatever your economic system is, the problem is that humans have to implement it and humans are the ones that yeah. are immoral. I mean you know, it's the love of money, right? Right. It really it anyway, to. I like it. Capitalism is not immoral. It's amoral. It requires our instruction. Hey, in a few minutes, uh, Therese Bouchard will be with us. She's a a therapist and deals a lot with people who are anxious and depressed. Stick around for that conversation next. 101.5 WORD. There may be days, even weeks, where you serve at church, read scripture, and pray, all while losing again and again the fight against temptation. How do you purge your life of that kind of hypocrisy and live as a genuine Christian? Find out as John MacArthur begins a study titled Living Real, here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. 
It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. Buying locally made products is a simple act that can have a tremendous impact on a local economy. Since our company was founded nearly 30 years ago, the original Mattress Factory has offered quality mattresses that are hand-built in our own factories and sold directly to you. Plus, we're not just locally made. We're also locally owned by our employees who live, work, and play in the same communities as you. So stop by an original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the difference local makes for yourself. Right here in Pittsburgh. I had a great time this morning with my dentist. She just made me feel so comfortable. To patients of Dr. Megan Stock, she's more than a great dentist. She's an answer to prayer. She makes you feel so calm. Didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth. We just love to talk about the Lord and what's going on in our families. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. She does fabulous work. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. You know, even as we speak, I know this is true, right? You know it's true. There are many, many people who are alone right now at this moment. It's a crisis of loneliness. Yeah, we live in a world where, you know, we we shout out the, the joys and uh, the genius of social media, but it's a misnomer. Um, because there is an epidemic of loneliness. Yep. And with that epidemic of loneliness, of course, uh, there is anxiety and depression. And um, I think it's I, – I, I think you know people, and maybe you yourself as well, who are you know on that train and just can't get off it because it's so brutally hard to break that, that chain of isolation. 
Therese Borchard is with us. Uh, she is the founder of Project Beyond Blue, an online community for people with chronic depression and anxiety. She's also associate editor at psychcentral.com, contributor to CNN.com, uh, PBS.org, and many other media outlets as well. For seven years, her popular blog, Beyond Blue, on BelieveNot.com, was named the Top 10 Depression Blog by Health.com. Therese, welcome back to the show. It's It's been a long time. Well, we are happy that you're with us here. Thank you so much. Great to be back. Thank you. So I'm sure it didn't surprise you when you saw all of the data that came out this year about just how lonely we are, not just in America. Britain uh, decided to come up with a minister of loneliness, which is a brand new position for them. Yeah, I, I you know, it looks like discussion, and it's understandable um, in our age, despite, like you said, all the social media and the networks that are meant to bring us together, there's still that in-person um, loneliness. But I, I do think that the um, the online, you know, in four years ago, or four and a half years ago, I um, created two online forums, uh, Project Hope and Beyond and Group Beyond Blue. And I tell you, I've been amazed at the level of intimacy that goes on with those groups. Um, in fact, two people who were on one of the groups got married, and um, and just uh, three weeks ago, the administrator came to visit me. I had never met him, and um, you know we've we just been corresponding online, but the, we just picked up like we were very old friends. And so I think, despite um, despite the, the lack of in person connection, I think the the online world can provide some some of the antidote to to the loneliness academic. Um, not all of it, for sure, but um, but I think it's a start to use technology to kind of form those relationships, especially for people that are shut in and have difficulty getting out. Mm-hmm. So how do those, I mean, I guess I, I was going to say how do those forums work, but I know how a forum works. I guess what I'm asking is whether um, peer-to-peer help is most effective online for people who are suffering with anxiety or depression, or it's better to have kind of a... I don't know, like a, a therapist of voice who's able to kind of speak into the situation? Well, I think both are helpful. Um, for me, definitely the in-person therapy, um, it's irreplaceable. I don't think, even though the statistics or the research say that uh, online therapy can be just as effective, for me, just there's so much communication that happens in the nonverbal and uh, um, the hugs and the, the, the look of compassion and in her eyes almost um, are, are more powerful than even the words she says. But um, but I do think for, for those who can't afford the mental health treatment or for those that have difficulty, you know, getting somewhere, I, I think that it's a real option. And um, I think both the formal um, therapist-patient relationship as well as the peer forums, I think both serve a purpose. I think you need the professional guidance of uh as someone, you know, with the knowledge and skills um, to to guide you, but I think that you need the peer support of uh, someone who can say, "Look, I've been exactly where you are, and um, and I understand." You know, I guess that's mostly, if I had to say, the number one powerful uh, aspect of these groups is that I understand right. you know, that that level of of empathy. 
Teresa, what about the stigma? I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, knowing someone who was going to therapy for the first time. And, you know, it was a small scandal that people were like, they would hide that they were going to see a therapist. Does that still exist? Um, People who have some sort of, you know, fear of going to see a therapist because of it? It's funny that you say that because uh, at my my last job, there was um, a guy in one of our meetings said, well, when I was in therapy, my therapist said this, and then everybody kind of went like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that in a meeting. And he's like, what's the problem? In New York, everybody goes to therapy. You know, you're from New York. <laughs> like, but, you know, I mean, you just discuss, you know, your, your therapist in, in coffee shops. It's no big deal. But, yeah. um, but you know, in Annapolis, um, you know, it's still sort of like you don't, Say that until you really know someone. I mean, I do because I'm, you know, a mental health blogger and kind of live um, publicly. But um, but there is a stigma, I think, still associated with it. I think it's getting better, um, but it's it's certainly still there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. So what about you know? Um therapy and then of course a lot of people in therapy also use medication and now with medication medical marijuana i mean there's a lot of different things that are going on right now in the you know the, the in the profession can you talk about medical marijuana and how that's used for anxiety and all that i um i'm 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 mixed on that um i i talked to several doctors who, who didn't think it was a good idea especially um, like in my case, I have a history of substance abuse, so it's, you know, it, it has the addictive quality. She just didn't want to risk that. Yeah. Um, um, but for other people, for parents, uh, especially one parent I know with, um, with a son who's ADHD, um, very severely, it's been a godsend, um, for mm-hmm. him. And, um, because he, he didn't respond to some of the medications or they gave him terrible side effects. And so, it's helped him manage his symptoms enough for to him for to stay in school and to to succeed. So I wouldn't rule it out, um, but I do think that um, you have to be very careful, especially if um, if there's a history of you know substance abuse or or anything like that. And and I do know with um, with bipolar, there's definitely um there's hesitation there. Um, so I I don't I'm not informed enough to to really um, you know give it a green light, but I do, I do know of success stories with it, but I also know of um, many professionals that have their arguments against yeah. it. I mean, I'm surprised by it. I mean, you know, there's, of course, there's been talk, you know, about it for years, you know, in the quote, you know, hippie communities. But now, I mean, it's legalized in so many states. It's, you know, sort of described as a miracle drug. Uh, I think I'm, a lot of people are still skeptical about it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it, it is, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I don't think that you can put in a clean, neat box. Um, right, right, right. That's good. Like, um, you know, ketamine, I think, is, is another one that's you know, was used as a as a um, street drug or, um, and, 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 you know, in um, clubs, but now is, is used for severe suicidal depression. And although, it's, um, you know, the, the jury is still out um, to some extent on it, I, I know of several people with severe depression who have been helped greatly by it. So, um, you know, I think, I think in the realm of depression medications and and therapies, we're just now discovering so much. I think we're really on the frontiers of exploring, um, just new classes of drugs and new, um, you know, new research of brain, um, brain stimulation, deep brain stimulation and, and, um, all sorts of technology that can really help us. I think we're, 
I think depression treatment in the future is going to be much more targeted and much more, you know, less less of this trial and error of trying drug after drug and seeing which one works and so forth. I have hope for the future that it'll be more targeted and um, with research and, and refined brain imagery that we're heading in the right direction. Trace Burchard is with us, founder of Project Beyond Blue, an online community for people with chronic depression and anxiety. Trace, only a couple minutes left, but I wanted to ask you about kids. I spent a lot of my time with girls that are between the ages of about 12 and 18, and I cannot believe how widespread the issue of anxiety is. I just can't, I cannot get over it. And I wonder, like, I think back to when I was between the ages of 12 and 18, and I wonder if we were all, if we all had anxiety and we didn't know it, or we didn't know how to label it, or if... It's a new age. Or if now we're making kids more anxious, or now because we've labeled it something, people think they have it. I mean, I don't I don't know what the answer is. What do you think? Well, I hear you, because uh, my daughter is 15, and I see that... Um uh, on the positive end, I think the girls um, versus the boys are much more open to therapy. And um, because I know uh, from the moms that so many of the girls are in therapy, and, and we were on our way to the, the beach one time, and, and one friend was talking about the, the amygdala, the fear center of the brain, and don't catastrophize, and don't, you know, all these things that I didn't learn until I was 40, you know, <laughs> therapy, and I thought it was great. But, um, on the other hand, I, I, I agree that the anxiety is coming um, much earlier, and I don't know if that's because of the pressure. You know, I know that a lot of them are in club sports and, and just the pressure of school so much more than, than we had, and, um, you know, or if it's the breakdown of the, of the, the family, less family time, less, you know, um, eating together, just basic things like that. Um, I'm not really sure why there's more anxiety. I do think some of it has to do with social media and getting on and seeing pictures of your friends at a party that you weren't invited to. You know, I didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know the parties that I wasn't, that I was invited to, thank God. Um, so I think with everyone living uh, openly like that, that lends itself to more, um, definitely more social anxiety. But on the up, on the upside, I do think that um, there's, they're talking more among themselves about um, about the anxiety and and getting into therapy and, and that sort of thing. So that's good. All right. Well, thanks, Therese. Yeah, Therese Borchardt, founder of Project Beyond Blue, an online community for people with chronic depression and anxiety. Find her online. Proverbs 17.22 tells us that laughter doeth like good medicine. It's true. Science has discovered that when a person laughs, their body actually releases endorphins into the bloodstream. These tiny hormones actually increase the body's ability to heal. So here's a question. When was the last time you had a good laugh with your spouse? I mean a really good belly laugh. Hi, we're Jan Laura LaFoon, and we'd like to invite you to our ultimate date night, where you'll spend 90 minutes with your spouse laughing like you haven't laughed in years. Since 1996, we've been traveling the country using our unique style of marriage edutainment to seamlessly combine humor and biblical truth. So join us and have a great laugh with your spouse. 
Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, Friday, February 1st at Christchurch at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress. National Peanut Butter Day. Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to celebrate that? I mean, the more that I am thinking about it, the more I want to have peanut butter immediately. Do you like peanut butter cookies? Yes. I like peanut butter cookies. Because, like, you know, my mom, my mom would make, you know, chocolate chip, and then, yes. of course, she always made peanut butter along with those. Yes. Which is excellent. Of course. Well, I've done a little bit of a deep dive. On peanut butter? Just ways to eat peanut butter. Yeah. Some of which are going to be very regular. And oh, just normal oh, oh. every day. And some that I think are going to be a little odd. Yeah. And so I'd like to run them past you now, if you okay, wouldn't fine, mind. Fine, fine. Are you happy yeah, to hear yeah, this please, from yeah. me? Okay. Um, the first way I can say is spooned in with yogurt and granola. Peanut butter with yogurt and granola. Yeah, that's like overarching to me. To me, that sounds a little disgusting, Mike. Yeah, it's working too hard. The two textures of yogurt and peanut butter, that's... Combining is just yeah. weird. Combining I agree. Just granola. On a saltine. On a saltine? Ew. What do you mean, ew? Yeah. That well, is... That, that is... sounds horrible. Wait a minute. Have you guys never had that? No. Wait, are you talking <gasps> about with the yogurt on it or no, without? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Just no, the no, peanut no. butter Just itself. peanut butter on okay. a saltine. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, no, no. It's, a, it's one of the great pleasures of life. Really? You really? don't think so? Um, oh, my gosh. I like a peanut butter on a Triscuit. Okay, that's not on my list, but I'll take that. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Um, in a smoothie. A peanut oh, butter yeah. smoothie? That's fine. I've never put peanut butter in a smoothie. I'm sure it's excellent. Mike? I'm sure it's really good, yeah. Okay. I'd like that. Have you done it? No. Mixed no, I haven't. How Mi- about a peanut butter blizzard, like a Dairy Queen? Who's asking the questions okay. here? <laughs> Jeez. Holy smokes. <laughs> Mixed into oatmeal. Peanut butter and oatmeal? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. No. Have you done that? I've done that before. Have oh, you? Totally. It's really good. Is it? Is. it? It's good. No, I've never done it, but I feel like I want to try it. Yeah. Not a lot. Okay. I'm not a brow. He just rubbed his yeah, nose. Yeah, I know. I saw what he did. Um, <laughs> on Eggo waffles. Oh, yeah. I've not done that either. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Definitely. Nope, Is that interesting it. to you, John? No. Okay. I mean, Pe- I like peanut butter, but only in limited quantities in you know a very right. specific way. All right. Mixed into coleslaw. Oh, my gosh. Heavens, no. That's just weird. Oh, please. <laughs> Isn't oh, that weird? That's the worst. I, I think I might like it. No. That's, okay. No, no, no. All right. That's strange. Um, Peanut butter and coleslaw. That's with like bananas off. on raisin bread. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I've done that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I love... Do you love raisin bread? I love raisin bread. Toasted raisin yes. bread. Cinnamon. Mm, hot yes. cinnamon. Yes, cinnamon, cinnamon raisin bread. With some peanut butter on it? You know oh, what? Jenny like Lee's end. my favorite. Local. Oh, local oh, di- the round oh, one. Have you yeah. had that? Oh, yes, I have. Is that delicious? Holy that's smokes. That's a staple in my house. Mm, I absolutely nice. love that. Okay. With pretzels. Oh, yeah. That's good, too. Peanut butter and pretzels? Sure. I think that's very good. I think that's very You do nice pretzels option. and mustard? You like that? I like pretzels and mustard. sidebar there. But it's, not, but it's not mustard day. Okay, sorry. It's all right. Wait, I, okay, before we, before we leave the air, as you were talking about sweets, I just want to give away some some tickets to Sweet Sunday as well. Oh, like peanut butter tickets? Well, it's Sweet Sunday right. is coming up February 24th. It benefits the city mission at Washington, PA. And uh, this is the, I believe, 25th anniversary of Sweet Sunday. And I've got free tickets for people. Fantastic. But you have to email me, John Hall at wordfm.com. All right. Okay, Sweet Sunday, John 24th. Hall. Yeah, John, John, John Hall at wordfm.com. Yeah, I'm sure there's peanut butter there. 
What about the orange crackers, the orange peanut butter crackers, the cheese? Um, like the, the- okay. All right. You know, if I was like sort of stuck like in a, you know, the end of the world scenario and I had like a case of those, I feel okay about it. I feel I feel really good about Do those. Do you? I don't really particularly. It's weird. It's weird because cheese peanut butter doesn't sound good, but there's something okay. delicious about this. You're fine. Uh, with apples. Oh, that's good. Yeah, peanut butter and apples. That's an excellent choice. Mike, definitely. Talk about texture. Blended into hummus. I'll have to try that. Yeah, yeah, you're going to try. Yeah, those are two of my favorite things. Really? Seriously, peanut butter? That, that could Why be... Not? You know how, you know, peanut chicken. Yeah. So you kind of, you know, oh, sure, use, sure. Mm-hmm. use peanuts with an entree type of thing. Yeah. That could be very good. Okay. Okay, what about uh, on pancakes? Well, there's other things I'd rather put on pancakes besides peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yeah, I think I agree with you yeah. on that. Okay, what about on celery with oh, raisins? Um... The raisins, not particularly, but I like I like celery and peanut butter. Okay, but that's a texture I, thing. I don't think I want to put raisins on. Yeah, no. the raisins. Raisins. All right, on a hamburger. Never. I do, actually do tried that. What did you think? And it was actually really good. Really? Okay. It was really. It actually seriously. The the, the sandwich had egg and peanut butter. Oh, okay. On it. All right. So you're going to town. That's a lot of protein. That sure is. Okay. All right. What about on a fry, fried egg with sriracha? Egg. Yeah, I'd do that as well. Amen. Yeah. How about with chocolate? Fine. Hey, Sweet Sunday tickets. I got them, okay? JohnHollowardFM.com, 24th of February, 25th anniversary. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.